Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a Miracle Made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver-infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle Made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made. Come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fake the Nation, episode 373. Hello, hello. This is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we duly and fully recognize Labor Day by not laboring this week. Um, however, we do have phenomenal conversations to, saved for you specifically for this occasion in the vault. Um, and coming up is topic number one. <laughs> Next topic, we are going to jump into some ethical quandaries and joining me in sound judgment is the wonderful um, journalist from the Boston Globe and podcast host of Say More with Shirley Leung. It's Shirley Leung. Hey, Shirley. Hi. Thanks for having me. And we are also joined by iconic comedian who is currently on tour with the live uh, with a live and livid live and livid uh, show, yes. and you can find all of that information on our website. It is the one and only Margaret Cho. Hey, Margaret. Hello. So let's dip into the first ethical quandary here. Someone wrote into the ethicist of the New York Times and asked, "My salary is too high. Is it wrong to me to stay? Wrong for me to stay in my job?" And I just like just that headline. I was like, "What? Who feels that way?" And then this is what she said. She said, "Less than a year ago, I switched from a job at a nonprofit whose mission I was deeply passionate about to a more senior role at a nonprofit in a different sector, and I was very underpaid previously. And now I'm making. She's basically making a bunch more money." And she says, what worries me is that my salary is about 20 to 30% higher than comparable jobs at similar organizations, 
Though my employers hired me for my years of experience, it's now clear to me that the job doesn't actually require my level of experience. This nonprofit could easily pay a significantly less experienced person significantly less money to do exactly what I do. And so basically, she does all the work easily and very quickly, and she doesn't go above and beyond. So she wonders, back to her letter, am I doing wrong by using up extra resources at a job where I am not willing to go above and beyond? Should I tell them they created an incorrectly scaled position? So I guess, what were your first thoughts when you saw this, even just headline? And have you ever felt bad about being paid too much for not doing too enough? No, because I've been underpaid so many times (laughs) where I felt that I deserved more. And so I don't ever think about uh, you know, whether or not I'm getting overpaid for something just because I have been underpaid for decades. (laughs) So to me, it always balances out in the end. But I think, you know, for her moral compass, if that's what she wants to do, it's up to her. But I, I never think about it in those terms. Surely. I'm a journalist, so um, I, I've never felt uh, overpaid. <laughs> in fact, uh, I think journalists, uh, we specialize in being underpaid. <laughs> so uh, it, it just seems like a, such a strange question. Um uh, mm-hmm. a, a very first world problem, right? And uh, to, mm-hmm. to feel my being overpaid, uh, uh, you know, I'm only working, you know, it only takes me 40 hours to do my job. I feel like I should be working more. And so, um, and I, I thought that the the response from the, the ethicist was, you know, to say, listen, like not everybody works, you know, more than 40 hours. Maybe this is okay to work just 40 hours. And 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 clearly, they probably did some research to figure out how much you should be paid, right? So this is in line with the industry standards. So, um, and she probably just doesn't, this person probably doesn't like, like her job. It's also part of the mindset that like, if you're not suffering, you're not doing enough, right? Like it sounds like she right. just endured a lot of suffering with not very much pay. And she had that kind of like, you know, she wore that like a badge of honor. And now she's at a job where there isn't enough suffering, you know? And it's interesting because I, I mean, again, like as a comedian, I was underpaid. I've been underpaid most of my career. And then there are moments, right? Where like you do a corporate gig or something and you're just paid wildly more for the exact same product than you would in another, you know, in another situation. And so there's these insane imbalances built into like the job of being a comedian that I think are, Mm -hmm. that do give me, sometimes I'm just like, wow, like, can we just balance this all out? Can the ones that are underpay me just come up a little and like, and then these ones could get like, it's crazy some of the imbalances that you see in the entertainment business, in the entertainment business, but it is really common. I, I and, and one of the things they did talk about in terms of like setting your, your rate is like it, it kind of like what Margaret was saying, this is about a full career, the, the rate, the rate isn't necessarily about like this job. It's like about a lifetime of what is this work that you do. Um, so I feel like it makes sense to, I don't know, I would just take it. I would Mm -hmm. use the extra time to like, you (laughs) know. Well, it also made me think that it was odd that she was complaining that she wasn't working more. 
And it made me think, does that mean you're not happy in your non-work life? You know, because if you get to work less than you normally are used to, then you get to spend more time not working. And so, which which is desirable for most people, right? I get to spend more time, you know, uh, I don't know, on my hobbies, with my family. I get to do something else. Um, Work doesn't consume me so much that I can't think about anything else. So that's, it was was all around a very strange situation. Mm -hmm. Although I can see a little bit of that I think I have it in me too of just like um I'm supposed to be worked to the bone you know what I, mean? I can see mm-hmm. you know I don't I don't actually have like a you know I don't have like a great I I I ha- I went to a therapist once who told me that I need to schedule downtime um and then schedule things that I would do with my downtime she's like you just don't know how to relax and so I need you to schedule relaxation. And if that means that you have to like literally be like, I'm going to get a massage or whatever. I'm going to like go sit for one hour at a park and read, like schedule it so that you force yourself to do it because otherwise you're not going to do it. Is I, I do feel like I'm one of these people that will just like fill every moment with like work or a chore mm-hmm. or, you know, like I, I don't do very much downtime. So I sort of get a little bit. Do, do you do that now? Do you schedule downtime, or was that did that stick? I mean, this did was that... pre. That was this was pre-child. because oh. I, I don't actually. There's no. Downtime there's no downtime now. now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there was a, a time. Of, okay, well, let's go on to another question. Um, another ethical quandary comes from a man who's been married for 40 years. And when they were first married, they didn't share much about their past dating lives. But one of the women he dated became a super famous musician. And he writes, I am in the habit of playing this artist's music in part because of the personal connection and memories it evokes. Not long ago, my wife remarked that I am, quote, a big fan. I smiled, nodded, and changed the subject. My fear is that sharing this connection with my wife would jeopardize my continued enjoyment of this artist body of work no jealousy i'm sure just gentle ribbing i could do without an ethical omission question mark so uh i don't know um should he tell her uh surely do you think um he, he should tell her so uh, believe it or not this has actually happened to me oh <laughs> recently. my god <laughs> <laughs> Again, another husband in midlife crisis, I'm sure, wrote yeah, in. Yeah. So my husband recently was regaling me with his high school girlfriends. I mean, this is like 30-some years ago, you know, some detail. And I was like, why are you telling me this? You know, it's just like, and so my advice is, of course, don't tell your wife. It will just annoy her, you know, just keep it to yourself. I agree. It's like, why? Why? <laughs> don't. Don't. Yeah. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I don't think there's, it also sort of depends. Like, I don't, like, I don't think there's a problem with not telling her. And so mm-hmm. I I think it's ethically, it doesn't seem like a problem for me at all. What I think is sad as someone, I would like to be told if my husband dated a famous person, just so that I could then go and tell all of my friends or anyone at a cocktail party. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I love that I didn't kind think of, about that. Oh, mm. I mean, I will dine out on shit like that for Maybe hours. that's how you should frame it. 
you know, I married, I could have married so-and-so. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but instead but, I married you. That's how much I love and you, And now honey. you can go tell everyone that I could have married so-and-so. Well, and, then, on what- and it <laughs> makes you look good. I picked you yeah. over this extremely famous person. Oh, that's nice. Too. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think that's there's like a there's some fun in that. It's funny because my husband is an actor and he he did a lot of like improv comedy and um, and we'll be watching something and he'll be like, oh, I was an improv troupe with that person or whatever. And I'll be like, what? And I immediately tell every like, oh, Jason has, has had actual experience with this, per-, you know, and uh, and I, I, I find it so fun. I don't find it like weird or anything um and but it is interesting like he never shared very much about his previous dating history just like very broad strokes so my question for my my last question for the two of you is do you i mean how much do you share do you feel like should be shared i don't you don't i just don't in general i don't i mean it depends i guess if they're asking but i really don't I, I, I don't know. I feel like that should remain private. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the you that know. existed before the person isn't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with, with Margaret. I mean, I, I don't feel the need to share my prior dating relationship. But I do think guys, uh, that's not the same. That's not the, that's not the case with guys. I think they love to share. I think I I think the guys love to share about all their past dates, you know, no matter when. But but now maybe I would give my maybe it wouldn't be it would be less annoying if my husband had told me that early on. I mean, we we are celebrating our 20th, um, you know, uh, anniversary this year. Wow, it's like, mazel tov. Yeah, but but to, to tell me this year, <laughs> let me tell you a little bit <laughs> my high school girlfriend. It's like, I'm not interested. <laughs> you should have told me at the beginning, not now. I'm not, I'm just not, I'm just not interested right now. <laughs> oh my God, no. So Jay, my husband is more like Margaret. Like he doesn't really disclose the, that kind of thing from before. And then sometimes he'll, like something will happen and he'll be like, oh, this actually reminds me of like this high school girlfriend that da 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 da. And and I'm like, what? Tell me more. I like, I'm like dead. I'm like such, I'm like a gossip hound. Like I want the stories. Like I want them so badly, you know? So my reaction is always like, yes, dish, dish, tell me everything. You know, what was she wearing? Like, let's get into it, you know? Um, all right, folks, what do you think? Should this guy tell his wife? By the way, the ethicist agreed with all of us, which is that he doesn't have to. It's completely fine. So don't worry about it. Um, and uh, that, my friends, is the end of the show. The two of you are just so utterly fantastic. And I would love for the people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow you follow you in all the wonderful things that you do. Margaret Cho. Where do they do that? And remind us of your tour. Um, my tour is called Live and Livid. And you get, you can get tickets on margaretcho.com. I'll probably be coming to where you are. So check it out. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Margaret Cho, on Instagram at Margaret underscore Cho, and on TikTok at The Margaret Cho. Um, folks, go to this show. If you've never seen Margaret Cho live, this is... It's something you should, it should be a a part of your summer plans, a part of your fall plans, however long this tour lasts. It's such a delight. It's such a joy. Um, Shirley Leung, where do people find you? 
Yes, I am uh, write a column for the Boston Globe. I'm also uh, the host of Say More with Shirley Leung. Uh, you can it's a half hour show. We put on um, if, when you think of Boston, we have big thinkers, big innovators, but we don't. I always don't get the chance. I don't have the chance to talk to them, and so this is my chance to talk to the biggest thinkers and innovators. Uh, and it's you can find the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, folks. Get to to the subscribing button on your podcast machine um, for Shirley Leung's show. It sounds phenomenal. Let's take a quick break so we can hear from our sponsors and come back. Today's show is sponsored by Pros. This is kind of, I feel like, you know, I'm on some sort of Lord of the Rings journey trying to figure out skincare. And I feel like this customized skincare line is really got my name on it. Basically, every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skincare, I tried the skincare just recently, is made to order and it's personalized. It's got a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs, like specifically you. And then the way they do it is you take this great, like in-depth quiz, basically. They analyze over 80 factors for a complete view of your life, your beauty goals, um, like I have oily skin that's also dry, which is just a fun little conundrum. I live in New York City. Like we've got these four seasons. My my face gets weird during seasonal shifts. Um, I all of these things I got to kind of talk about in like in answering the questions. Um, the other fun thing was they asked us at the end, like, do you like a creamy type of moisturizer or like a less creamy kind? And I was kind of like, mm, I think like less creamy. And they were like, that's fine. Like you can do that, but we think for your skin type, creamier is better. And I never knew that. So I love that there's so much kind of personal information that goes into creating this. I got my stuff in the mail very quickly after I got a wonderful serum. Like I said, this very creamy moisturizer. Um, and this also very just delectably creamy cleanser that just kind of feel like I, I think it's possible that I've been washing my face with just like harsh harshness. <laughs> For like many years, because when I saw this cleanser, I was like, oh, is this what it's supposed to feel like? It's supposed to feel like a little bit of a delight on my face. That's not what I've been doing. So I don't know, guys. And here's the thing. You don't have to take my word for it. In a third party, double blind dermatologist supervised controlled clinical study, um, which is like the gold standard for research studies. Pros prove that personalization works better than off the shelf alternatives, which just sort of totally makes sense on a just logical level if you think about it. Just it makes common sense. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering my listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% of your first subscription order at pros.com slash fake the nation um, will be taken off. That's Pros.com slash fake the nation. You get your free consultation and 50% off your one of a kind formulas. Uh, again, that's pros.com slash fake the nation. Go and get your just super personalized, luxurious skincare products and hair care products. That's what I'm going to try next. So pros.com slash fake the nation. 
I am the type of person that has subscribed to things and I have forgotten about those things. I have paid twice for a children's educational app and I didn't know that I was paying twice for several months. Until that is, I discovered Rocket Money and because I used Rocket Money, it just showed up all these things. The thing that I was paying twice for that made me incredibly angry. Thank God Rocket Money ended that for me. It also cancels the subscription for you. So you don't have to like go through the hassle of going to that site and figuring out how to cancel. They actually make canceling very difficult. I don't know if any of you have had the experience, but I have been on a like a roundabout eight exit nightmare trying to unsubscribe to something before. Rocket money eliminates that hassle. It also alerts you to an increase in subscription price. And this is something Rocket Money did for me. It negotiates a lower price for something you already subscribe to. So like for my cable bill, it got me a lower price. And I was very happy about that. Nearly 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about, which makes me feel better because I'm one of them. But it makes me feel terrible because what are we doing? Losing that money. Uh, I don't want to waste that money. And I know you don't want to waste that money. If you struggle with these kinds of purchases, if you struggle with finances in general, Rocket Money will help you with the budgeting, help you track your expenses, help you, like I said, cancel those unwanted subscription. It's a personal finance app that finds and cancels unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps you lower your bills so you can get back to saving. I mean, me and my husband have been on the warpath and Rocket Money has been a really big part of that. It has over 5 million users with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. The average member has saved up to $740 a year using the app's features, which is, I mean, that tracks for me. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions. Go to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Save the money at rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. And we are back. And next topic. We read a piece in HuffPost called Why is Every Man on Dating Apps Suddenly in Therapy? It Might Not Be a Good Thing, written by Emily McCombs. And to talk about it, I'm joined by author and co-host of the podcast Democracy-ish. It is the wonderful Wajahat Ali. Hey, Waj. Hey. I am... Also joined by comedian, um, and uh, you could hear his stuff all over Spotify, and you can read his book, Pardon My Spanglish. It is the wonderful Bill Santiago. Hey, Bill. So um, the writer in this piece had taken a break from dating apps, but recently rejoined that world and noticed something different. She writes, quote, uh, but there was one new trend I immediately noticed that hadn't been a thing in the, the last time I swiped faces. Suddenly every man was putting in therapy on his dating profile. I don't mean one or two. It was ubiquitous enough to join the ranks of the most common dating ad cliches, like posti- like posing with a giant fish. Was being in therapy the new giant fish, I wondered. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. Like, what? I don't think you're on very many dating apps these days. Um, uh, only a few. The, the ones that my <laughs> wife allows. Um, Bill, I don't know what your relationship is to dating apps. Uh, have, have either zero. of you kind of seen this yourselves? No, I don't I do not do the dating apps. I just okay. I can't bring myself to take that step. It's just I don't want to. I, I I still have this romantic notion of kismet that you meet someone In and you hit it off. Right. And you take it from there. What I, about the kismet just... that belongs to like literally just being set up by friends? Is that something that happens? 
happens for you. I don't think that's ever happened for me. Oh, got you. No friend is confident enough in you. Not to, well, no, no. People have recommended things. But right, right, right. Okay. People, but, uh, but it, and introduced me, but not not uh, not with the intent. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's funny because is... I feel like blind. I feel like setting someone up on a blind date is a little like oddly old school. Even though I feel like we need it now more than ever, um, because people are so frustrated by dating apps, you know. And I'm just like, okay, why don't we just do the thing where friends recommend friends, you know, with the full knowledge that if it doesn't work out, like, let's all be cool. You know, it doesn't have to be a big fucking deal if it doesn't work out. Um, I just want to throw that into the atmosphere as like, can we get that going? Let's just have friends just setting up people on blind dates. It's like I would in another life. I was I was like, A, I probably read fortunes and I <laughs> and I probably just set up like youngins, you know, on dates. Like it just seems like something I would personally love to do. But getting back to the subject at hand, OkCupid literally confirmed this trend. There's a 21% increase in mentions of mental health and therapy on OkCupid profiles between February and July and a 4% increase in August 22 compared to August 21. It seems like men are kind of figuring out that women want to know that they are in therapy, that they're fucking down with therapy. Um, Wad, you had mentioned Andrew Tate earlier. So there's like, where are men like on the poles of like the kind of edgelord <laughs> versus like cool with therapy? You know what I mean? I'm just trying to figure out where like men are and what they're figuring. Or is this just that men fucking figuring out a scam that if they put in therapy in their profile they're going to get more clicks because they both, do both so if if women if men figured out that women like uh pink unicorns you will see men saying pink unicorns i love pink <laughs> unicorns right i remember like my my wife she was telling me about a day she had my wife is like so sweet and sometimes she was gullible in the past like she's all into like helping people and refugees and world health and there is this guy who's like, world health and refugees? I'm really interested. Let's have a date at a really fancy restaurant where you can talk to me for two hours about it. So my wife goes thinking she's going to talk to him about like world health and refugees. And after like six minutes, he's like, so. Uh, and he like, you know, spits his game. So I do think a part of this is uh, guys realizing if I want to have sex with a woman in the future, I have to pretend to care about mental health. The second part of it is I'm, I'm using myself an example after like 42 years of masochism and white knuckling it for the first time in my life last month i started going to a therapist for my ocd Ooh. and i shared it only because i know so many men would rather the way we're built like usually men my age and older it's like you have a choice between going to therapy or dying like, well, just kill us now. Just kill us immediately. Uh, and so <laughs> the reason why I shared it is because a lot of guys in the DL were like, thank you for sharing. You're, you're helping remove the stigma. And a lot of women, especially like wives, were saying that. So I think there's a balance, especially as we're coming out of this pandemic and there's climate change and people are realizing, oh, there's less of a stigma. Oh, I can go talk to a therapist. Oh, I'll still be seen as a man. And then the second part is, oh, women will have sex with me and I will increase my percentages of having sexual conquests if... I actually admit I'm going to therapy. It's a combination that I think if it's done sincerely can actually be a massive benefit, especially to women 
so they don't deal with toxic men. That's my take on it. So, Bill, have you noticed, uh, let's say, in the community of comedians, a, a trend among men that it's more pro-therapy? I, I guess, I guess in passing, people uh, 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 mention it, you know. It's not not something that I necessarily get uh, uh, get into with them. If I, if I think, I know a few comedians who are in uh, in therapy, but have been for a long time, you know. But I, I feel like one trend I've noticed is just like the increase in like, oh, this is my five minutes on therapy. Like mm. that people will Oh have, yeah, definitely. Right? Like you've yes. seen therapy, that in the couples, clubs. It's therapy, just like everyone yeah, has uh, their five yeah, everyone minutes. Everyone has a therapist. It's out of control. Yeah. But is that, is that was that uh, uh, our article, did it, did it comment on the number of times that women uh, mention therapy in their profile, well, or is it specifically just, 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 no? Just because because taking for granted that it's ubiqu- ubiquitous for women. So so just to give you an idea of like how women um, are are responding to it. Um, no, I know I know they respond favorably. Yeah, in, but in, basically eighty six percent. Um, to the, if they answer yes to the question, who if you believe therapy is good for people or necessary, they received eighty six percent more likes and forty nine percent more matches compared do. to men who said it's not for them. Right. Well, just knowing that, of course, you're going to check that box, right? You want to be in compliance with anything that's going to help the cause in the, uh, at right. the bottom line. Right. But I, I do, I do think maybe some of these people. There's like obviously the people that are like I'm just gonna click the yes because I know it's gonna get me more. A lot of a lot matches. of a lot of times, mm-hmm. saying that you are in therapy works as sort of a, a virtue signaling mm. s- uh, s- yeah. smoke screen. Yes, you know yeah. I am okay. I've been cured. I'm about to be cured. Nothing to worry about I'm here. I'm open minded. Yeah, I'm right. been, yeah. I'm down with what you know. But what it's it's just a cover up. You know, very. I know a lot of people who are in therapy. Who are maniacs? Yeah, who, oh, who yeah. need who need so much help that no amount of therapy. Well, like for example, Wadge. You know, yeah, Wadge, yeah. <laughs> a nonviolent sociopath known as Wajah Ali. Yeah, I know a lot of sociopaths who are in therapy, but because they say they're in therapy, they get that label right. of a okay. Oh, cool. They get that safe uh, pass, right. but they're not. They're just using it. I know. I I you know I just I see this all I see this all the time, and and I know I I know I know therapists who tell me yeah therapy you know. It can help, but, you know, like even like couples therapy tells you, look, if you go in for a couples therapy, this is a therapist friend yeah, of mine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I love this be- behind the scenes intel. Okay. Yeah. If you go to a couples therapist, the chances of that helping you stay together are slim. It's more like a uh, a relationship crowbar process to help you, you know, separate. That's right. what ends well, up I happening think, right. more often than not in his experience as a profession. So I have friends who are in couples therapy who are like among the best couples I know. Fantastic. And they go, uh, they actually went as like a preventative measure. And I thought that was interesting because they figured out like, oh, if we just know how to communicate better then we won't have problems. Like they would like have little problems. They'd be like, oh, I think we should figure out how to communicate this better. And they just like went as a preventative measure and they continue to be the greatest couples, which I think is is great. Like, don't you know? Like, don't use it as a a a, a fixer. Like, get in there and figure out how to communicate because that's I think. I mean, the number one problem basically with every couple is communication, and I think a lot of women have a problem with like men. You know, men don't often just. I don't mean to be so fucking gendered here, but like 
like oftentimes it's been the case with me in relationships with men, we'll just like centralize it to me, is that like uh, they couldn't talk about what was wrong. Like, what are your feelings about this? Like, why, why, why are you mad? Like, what are you upset about? What did you, what should have gone differently? And so I feel like giving them tools to be able to like verbalize those things made the relationship better. That's so it what makes we did. sense. Huh? Yeah, that's what we did. So so uh, exactly what you said, my wife, uh, a couple of years ago, she goes, we have to go to couples therapy. And I was I'm like, woman, I will never forgive you for this. Like, why? <laughs> uh, and she, and I'm like, isn't there aren't things going well? She goes, things are going well. I think it'll just help. It'll just make things better. So we went and we just had a couple of sessions. And the good news was, was a therapist was like, listen, I wish every couple was like you. Uh, you're fine. Uh, but it helped. It, what it helped was specifically my wife just said certain things. Sometimes when I communicate, you don't listen or maybe I need to communicate better for your male brain to understand. And then yeah. I was able to articulate, oh, that's what you wanted from me. Why don't you just tell me? And so it made a really good situation better for us. I and but also, Bill, I want to say now you you said virtue signaling and I literally have in my notes virtue signaling because I do <laughs> also think, first of all, watch that's incredible and that's I, I think how my friends use therapy it's just like they communicate better as a result and but i also think in when it comes to like the dating apps or whatever there's so much i i sometimes help my friends swipe okay i'm not in the business myself but i i will be a wingman and so i do some i help my friends do some profiling pro, looking at profiles and swiping or whatever that's a very powerful advisory position that you uh first i first because i loved i mean as the listeners know i was very good at online dating and so i want to like spread that uh sunshine wherever i can and um and i find some of the ways that people virtue signal like i I think it's great when people are in therapy and then when they if they have to like signal it on a dating app, I do find that annoying. But I also find that it could be useful. Right. I'm on both sides of that. It's like, are you working too hard right now to tell me that you're fucking cool? You know what I mean? Yeah. So I I, I see that point. I also want to say um, to get my, your thoughts on this final thing is this thing that Jonah Hill did. So he became, mm. he got in the little, in the, mm. the tabs because he was using therapy language with a girlfriend and he was using it. It's like, my boundaries are that you, I'm, I'm making this up. I don't remember what he said, but he was just like, had controlling demands. And, and he was like, you know, and those are my boundaries. But it's like, he was using boundaries as a form of control. So he's using therapy speak to kind of like get what he wanted, which is not the fucking point, you know? Um, I, well, uh, it's like the performative I mean, I aspect, right? It's the performative aspect, like, like you're mentioning of like some of our friends who are, who are probably social pets who then end <laughs> up using it's like almost you know, let's do an old school reference like sopranos where he does therapy for all these years and finally in the final season the therapist goes like i think you're just using this to validate and rationalize your own criminal behavior without actually seeking any resolution yes to it. yes yeah, you by know? the way spoiler watch yeah spo spoiler, <laughs> spoiler alert spoiler's been out uh, for 20 years and, <laughs> and so i think i think that aspect of it women do have to be careful about the performative aspect of therapy and the fact that they're virtue yeah, signaling. Yeah, but even but even that, you're just assuming that it's just men who do that. Women do that. Men too. and women and women. Sorry, and men. Everyone oh, yeah, yeah. Everyone, hey, everyone and, can and be an one asshole. One thing that I have noticed is that 
once uh, people are in therapy and it's working for them or not, but once they're in that, you know, they assume that it's okay for them to uh, insist that everyone get it. Everyone should be in therapy. No mm. matter, even even, yeah. even if you have a fantastic life and everything is going on, no, you would still, it would be better with therapy, it would be in therapy. And yeah. it's, it's no different from religion. Everyone has to be saved. No, 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 there's original sin. I don't care what, what your private life is. I don't care what you do. You are a sinner and you got to get saved. And it's a lot like that with therapy too. I have friends who are just like, no, you got to go to therapy. You got to go to therapy. You got to go to therapy. Everyone has to be in therapy. If you're not in therapy, you're less of a human I also being. think like it's okay, you know, to like, I'm not in therapy currently. You know what I mean? Like, but I, I fucking have done some therapy, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, I think it's also okay if you're kind of like, I think I'm like handling things okay right now, you know? <laughs> Like you know, there isn't, I don't, yeah, I don't like that. Like the pressure of like, you better be in therapy. Like, I also hate that, you know? Yeah. So I think that's a great point. Um, all right, folks, let me know. Do you, are you online dating and have you seen the in therapy fucking button? And uh, what do you think of it? Hit me up. And that my friends is the end of the show. What a wonderful time I had speaking with both of you. Despite the fact that you have more children than me, and obviously your lives are more difficult. I'll, I'll lend them to you if that'll help you get them. And we're, we're, just, uh, we're just stronger and more resilient you guys people. We're just stronger I mean, and more resilient people, and that's it. That's just what I need to learn. Um, <laughs> no, I love you guys, and I want the people of Fake the Nation to be able to follow you and all the wonderful things that you do. Bill Santiago, where do they do that? Uh, at Bill Santiago, all over the place. Great. BillSantiagoComedy.com. Also look him Apple, up on Spotify if you Spotify, don't live in a, in a town where he's performing. Amazon, the book, pardon my Spanglish, all that stuff. Uh, bookshop.org. <laughs> wherever <laughs> wherever like you want to get you your book. You know what I mean? Try and do it from an independent bookseller. I'm just saying. Uh, Wajahat Ali, where do they do it? Uh, well, there was this health site called Twitter, which is now called X. <laughs> uh, and on X, uh, I'm at Wajahat Ali until that site shuts down. I'm also on threads and Instagram at, at Insta Wajahat. Um, and yeah, I just wrote a book. Uh, the paperback came out this year called Go Back to Where You Came From and other helpful recommendations on how to become American. Uh, oh, my God. Do yourself a favor and read his book. Um, follow him on defunct and non-defunct social media platforms. Um, uh, he's just a, a, such a breath of fresh air. And that is the end of the show, folks. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you're having a wonderful, wonderful Labor Day. I want to thank everyone who makes the show a possibility. That's our fantastic producer, Andrew McGuire. Thanks to Gabby Alter for our theme. Thanks to everyone at HeadGum for making the show a possibility. You can email us at fakethenationpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's fakethenationpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to see me, I'll be in San Diego on September 27th and San Francisco on September 29th doing the Wait Wait Don't Tell Me stand-up tour. Otherwise, uh, you can find out all my details on the social medias and we will be back in your earballs next week. That was a HeadGum Podcast.